When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by McKenney and BetMGM. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, we got breaking news. We do. Breaking news to round out the show, or I guess start off the show here. Uh, two minutes ago, it was reported by the Dallas Stars, by Kevin Weeks, and then confirmed by Elliot Friedman uh, that the Dallas Stars are signing center Rupe Hintz to an eight-year contract extension worth $8.45 million per year. That runs through 2030-31, which, in my opinion, is not a real year, but we'll see. Um, it's great when news breaks right before we start recording because exactly. we can lead off the show. We can talk about it. It's terrific. Um, this is a, I mean, this is a pretty massive extension here. Pretty big deal uh, for a team that you know is going to have to make some interesting decisions. We were talking about it a bit before the show, and you told me to save it for the podcast. That's right. Thankfully, we are on the podcast now. Exactly. So we can start talking about it. What are your first impressions? Uh, great deal for Dallas. Great uh, deal for Hints. You know, this is a player that kind of has everything you want. Mm-hmm. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got skill. Um, you know, we've already seen him come along very nicely and uh, has been you know, one of the better producers on the team. And, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. The stars are so interesting because they, you know, they still have that old guard with a lot of experience. And, you know, guys like Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan and, and Jamie Ben And, you know, I, I mean, Jamie Ben having, you know, we were talking about having this amazing comeback. Oh, season, I know. So that's great for Dallas. And uh, Pavelski never really fell off, which is incredible. But now, you know, you have this sort of changing the guard where, you know, Jason Robertson is clearly the guy. Oh, yeah. And Rupi Hintz is right up there with him. And, you know, as we were saying beforehand, now you get into the calculations of, okay, can Dallas make it all work cap-wise in the next couple of seasons? Because they do have some pretty big ticket guys there. Um, to me, the sort of saving grace, and you can sort of go over the numbers, mm-hmm. but I think the saving grace for the stars in the coming years are going to be some of the next next generation that'll be on entry-level deals. So Logan Stankoven, Wyatt Johnston, Maverick Bork, even Thomas Harley for that matter on the back end. Those are the kind of guys where you need them to come in and only be making kind of like a million or you know like two million with bonuses, that sort of thing. Um, and, and give you good minutes and give you secondary scoring and production because you have these big ticket guys that um, are all coming in onto contracts in the eight nine million dollar range uh, all at the same time. No, one hundred percent. Like this is they're they're pretty look they're going to be pretty tight against it. I mean, uh, uh, because we were talking about it, they essentially have you know uh, uh, with I would say with a, a hint sign they have I think it's seventy one point eight or seventy two million dollars. Uh, you know, basically to to keep the core that they have together, the team here. That means they can't add, you know, they can't go out and, and get a big ticket guy. But, I mean, Hintz is the real deal. Like, I wrote, so I wrote a, a feature about him earlier this season uh, where I essentially talked to all the, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of guys in the dressing room, in the Stars dressing room. They love him. Like the, and and his, his emergence sort of came, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but, like, 
I talked to, for example, I talked to Scott Wedgwood, who play, you know, who's who's relatively recent. You know, he came there uh, the deadline. He came to Dallas the deadline at the end of the last season. He's there now. But I was like, did you guys really like? Was he someone you planned for before? And he's like, literally up until like last season, no. Like he was not part of the the scouting meetings uh, or the pre scout meetings. He was not part of our sort of plan of attack. Even like Mason Marchment, who played against him in that Calder Cup final, mm-hmm. he was like, I knew he was going to be good then. But like even on the teams that I went to later, like we weren't really planning for him and he came out of nowhere. This is a point per game center. This is a guy who challenges for 30 goals, uh, 35, I believe he had 37 last year, something like that. Like he is, he is being fantastic for them mm. to get him for eight years. I mean, he's right in the middle of his prime right now. He's 26. Yeah. Um, which is very, it's very nice because I'm also 26. So that means I'm right in the middle of my prime, which is yeah, also yeah. actually depressing at the same time, if this right. is it. But um, he is like, but he, you're going to get him until he's 34. He doesn't play an overly physical game. So I don't think, it doesn't look like he's a very smart player, so I don't think it's, he's going to erode as fast as maybe someone else would. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, like at least erode as fast as we thought Joe Pavelski was going to, but he's still there. And this is a phenomenal value for him because he's getting, he's getting absolutely paid when he was, you know, a second-round pick who had to really toil in the AHL for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic value for the Stars because, I mean, the cap's going to go up a lot in the next couple of years depending on, you know, if hockey-related revenue can stay up. And an $8.45 million dollar sort of AAV is going to look a lot better under like a 90 million cap or whatever it's going to reach yeah. in, you know, by the time he's like 30 years old uh, than it is now. I think it's, it's dubs all over the board. There you go. And one of my favorite puns that I ever saw on Twitter, mm-hmm. if you need help making money in Legend of Zelda, Rupee Hints. Oh, yeah, because Rupee is the currency, the currency and you need hints. Exactly, exactly. I've been trying to play... Is that a dad joke? I don't know. No, I, well, it's video <laughs> games, right? So, I mean, I've been trying to play God of War now at the start, like, okay. trying to get into it. The fact that I have a son following me around everywhere, it's actually pretty annoying. So I'm glad that you're able to, to put up with that as a father. There you, you know? go. Because if I was anything like that, i got to get my dad an extra Christmas present. Um, <laughs> all right. Great deal for the stars. Great deal for him. I think we're all excited about this. Yes. I think it's good. Yeah, good deal. All right. Let's move on to another player who has really impressed this season. More so than I think anyone could have possibly thought. It's mm-hmm. Josh Morrissey. Yes. Now, I have a really good friend who's a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he actually he hosts uh, a game over Winnipeg on, on the SDPN now. Uh, shout out, Brad. Um, but holy smokes, just, will he not shut up about this guy? It is insane. <laughs> Josh Morrissey. You know, a, a, a good offensive defenseman in, in the past, like someone who's getting paid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thought. But 23 points in 20 games, you know, this is helping keep the Jets afloat in a season that we thought was going to be at worst a disaster at best maybe like a sort of like middling purgatory year yeah what what what's he doing yeah a morrissey that everybody still likes there Amazing. you go yeah um so i mean the that, thing that was I've, a dad joke by yeah, the way yeah uh what i've really noticed this season uh statistically is that josh morrissey is being put in better positions to provide mm. offense uh by new coach rick bonus 58 percent of his Offensive, uh, 58% offensive zone start times. Last year, he was about 47%. Mm-hmm. So obviously, a lot more chances to use all those skills on the blue line uh, that you know we've, we've seen in the past, but you know, now it's really being unleashed. And he's one of their you know, better power play producers so far. But it's funny, because Winnipeg's power play is basically the same as it was last yeah. year. Uh, still 16th in the NHL. Um, in terms of uh, goals for as well. Like the offense is just kind of the same as it was. Um, but Morrissey is stepping up and yeah, just really kind of fun to see 
how players can thrive in different systems. And we've mentioned this before about Winnipeg, where you know the coaching change really seems to have had a, a positive effect. Mm-hmm. And and what's really interesting too is you know Rick Bonus in Dallas, uh, very defensive, very structured, uh, but he's proven to be adaptable because the Jets are still obviously scoring and, and having a lot of success there. And of course, my favorite story about Josh Morrissey when he played junior hockey in Prince Albert. Him and a couple of his teammates coming out of a movie late at night, super cold uh, prairie evening. They literally saved a puppy's life. Somebody had abandoned a puppy. No way. In a pickup truck. They heard it crying. They picked it up, put it in their jacket, took it home. I think one of them later adopted the puppy. But yes, Josh Morrissey, puppy saver. All right, well, folks, I have a new favorite player. There you go. Um, Anyone who saves a puppy... I've also been complaining lately that I see all over TikTok people do it, like find, being in these exact same situations. They'll find a cat on the side of the, like a kitten on the side of the road or a puppy. I've never encountered any cute animals. It's extremely annoying. It's the yeah. bane of my existence, but that's fantastic. Look, at even strength, it's actually not as crazy his zone starts as 52.1, which is actually mm-hmm. down from 53.6% last mm-hmm. year. At even strength, though, it, or at, in all strengths, whether it's power play, penalty kill, it's at 60%, which is high. I will say, though, he is. We haven't talked enough about Connor Hellebuck, and we will talk about Connor Hellebuck in yeah. another segment, yeah. but he's been fantastic. And mm-hmm. uh, to be fair, uh, Josh Morrissey does have a, a, one, a 104.2 PDO, which is at least three percentage points higher than his next highest one. Right. So this, I don't know if this is completely sustainable. Mm-hmm. He's also shooting, his on-ice shooting percentage is 13.2, which is another three points higher than his next, uh, uh, you know, like closest one. But man, like he is... He's playing some great hockey. He is. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting, like you said, to see just like the difference in, in, um, in I guess, benefit that we thought Bonus was going to bring. Like, mm-hmm. again, like he's been a very defensive coach, very sort of like, as much as the Stars had Jason Robertson, Rupi Hints, and everything, they were very, like, I got to say, boring team to watch under. under. They were built for playoff success, exactly. and that's what they got. And that's yeah. what, that is specifically what got them to the cup final in the bubble. Yeah. Was this grinding, like, you know, 2 1. 2 yeah. 1. Board, like if we had ended up with a with an Islanders Stars final, I think I would have quit the biz. I think I would have <laughs> just walked away. But you know, good good for them, and, and look, good for Josh Morrissey. Like he's you know he he does, he's not playing for a contract at least, but you know he was he was somewhat underperforming for the Jets for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He was he's a big he's a big contract, um, and if you get him as a, a legitimate top parent guy from like if this is him for yeah. the foreseeable future, that's a pillar of your roster that you can really build around. Indeed. And it just kind of seemed like. They just needed a new voice. Like, they really did. And yeah. a new voice, not Paul Murray stepping down and then Adam Lowry's dad stepping in. Yeah, yeah. I, we mean, like, a guy from completely out of the, a, a new perspective, and yeah. it's working wonders in Winnipeg. Indeed it is. Great. All right, let's talk about Mitch Marner. 17-point streak. I yeah. was going to say 17-game seven, point streak. There yeah. we go. Um, he's been phenomenal. He's, he's very close to the Maple Leafs record uh, for point streaks. Um, which I believe is is held by Daryl Sittler and Eddie Olchek. Um, he is playing some just absolutely incredible hockey. He had a bit, bit of a slow start, but obviously in the last in the last little bit, like he has completely come on the Leafs. I believe are ten. Uh, I believe they're ten one and three in their last uh, uh, like fourteen games. Mm. They're doing phenomenal. Mitch Marner is he? Is he, first of all, is he the Leafs' best player this season? And is he putting himself legitimately in contention for maybe even the Hart Trophy? Yeah, so first part of that question, I, I think he is their best player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with uh, Austin Matthews, you know, he's still getting his points, but... He's coming on now, too, though. He's coming yeah. on, but he just... There's that killer instinct that was there last year, I don't think is quite evolved. 
Uh, I'm sure it'll get there, but mm. in the meantime, you know, Tavares has been very good for the Leafs. But my favorite stat about Marner right now is that in terms of total ice time, and the Leafs have had some injuries, he has the most ice time of any skater. Yeah. That includes defensemen. Like bar none. Yeah. Now, average time on ice, uh, Morgan Riley beats him, uh, mm-hmm. but he's played four more games. But, you know, the fact that Marner can be out on the ice in every situation and has been, so it's like obviously you have him on the power play, but shorthanded, he has been a staple for the yeah. Leafs for years now. And yeah, he's been excellent there. It's the anticipation, it's the hockey IQ he has, and then, of course, the skill to back it up. Um, yeah, I, I think this is like the year where we've really seen him take a step. Now, can he win the Hart Trophy? It's going to be tough sledding because obviously Connor McDavid is having an J- incredible Jason season. Robertson. Jason Robertson yeah. as well. And I almost feel at this point, you know, like the Oilers, they're, they're starting to heat up, you know, and they're, they're a, little bit. a little bit, enough that they're getting themselves back into the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost wonder, too, like if it's at the point now where – I, you know, when it comes to heart voting, I think you have to make the playoffs because otherwise, what value did your mm-hmm. season have if your team, team didn't make the playoffs? Having said that, you know, if McDavid has this incredible year, if he wins the scoring title by like 20 points or something like mm-hmm. that, even if the Oilers miss by a point, I don't know if it's at the time where you reassess and say, I, he did everything possible. But again, we're... We're far off from yes, that. Yes, it's 20 games in, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe it's n- there's no question. Um, but, you know, I think Marner will probably get some consideration if he continues to play at this pace and if he continues to you know, lead the Leafs in scoring. I think he'll get consideration, maybe more so down ballot. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's the favorite, but I think he's, he's putting him in, himself in the position as being the best player on one of the, the best teams in the league. What about the Selkie? I mean, that's intriguing. Mm-hmm. The Selkie is the, that's the weird one because you certainly have players that everybody thinks of every year. Yes. So it's like you have to beat Patrice Bergeron and you have to beat Alexander Barkov and guys like that who... Mark Stone. You know, yeah, Mark like Stone, that. Andrzej Kopitar, right? Like all these players. So, you know, you'll get a new guy in the mix every once in a while, but... Especially uh, a winger. It's, it's difficult intriguing. for a winger too. It right? is, yeah. But, like, you know, Yuri Lettinen did it. How many years ago was that, though? A long time ago. I think I was like... You might maybe, not have been born. I might not have been, yeah. you know? So, I look, this guy plays on... He plays on a team that finishes, you know, playoff success one thing. This is a regular season award. It is. He plays on a team that finishes near the top of the standings, top five or top ten every year. Mm-hmm. He plays all situations. He plays penalty... He plays a specifically penalty kill, which has been one of the Leafs' strengths in the last little bit. Mm-hmm. He not only is an offensive threat on that, but he is a legitimate defensive threat. Um, I think Marner is, I think like his defensive game is the most un, un, uh, underrated thing about him. Like mm-hmm. everyone thinks of him as like this pure score, you know, shifty guy, doing crazy stuff, you know, playmaker. He's, look, he, he's got phenomenal, um, I want to say agility. Mm. His, maybe his, his straightforward speed is not, you know, McDavid, like elite type level, mm. but his, his lateral movement is phenomenal, which works really well on a penalty kill. True. And if you're, if you're a guy who, if you're maybe your team's most, uh, uh, one of your teams, at least, because you know there's like the David Camps of the world. But like, yeah. if you're one of your team's most 
like uh, defensively responsible forwards, and you're also about to set the franchise record point streak. Yeah. You know, likely going to finish with potentially over 100 points this year, and you're logging over 21 minutes a night, which is leading the entire team on a, especially when there's a blue line that's missing three of your top four. So you mm-hmm. think everyone will be getting more, and yet you're still leading it. I don't know how you can. I don't know how you at least don't get a top five vote by everybody. Like it's yeah, yeah. unless you're actively like not watching or not sort of like it, you're you're trying to give like and not saying that he doesn't deserve it. I think Patrice Bergeron will win the Selkie every year until he retires, basically. Yeah. But unless you're trying to like you know like give him that, Marner really does deserve consideration. Oh, that's a fair point. All right, Brady Tuchuk, very interesting player. Yes. Um, you know, look, thing, are things going great in Ottawa? No, but Brady Tuchuk has not lost his sort of signature snarl. Yes. And one of the greatest, I would say, moments of the not one of the greatest, one of the funniest moments of the season, in my opinion, is uh, uh, you know the Sens are playing the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, there's a big hit in the corner. Ryan Strom just flails, uh, flails his arms uh, uh, without really looking. He's like, all right, let's go. Then you can see his face where he looks at Brady to Chuck, realizes, yeah. oh, I got to uh, fight him. He goes, oh, man. And then does it anyway. Yeah. But there's an audible, like, it's like, a, it's like in Wile, like Wile E. Coyote when he goes over the, over the mountain and he just, right. like, takes a second, looks down, and goes like, uh-oh, and then, like, falls. Yeah. That was what Ryan Strom, he basically did a gym in the office, like, look to the camera. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And... Then he had to fight him. You know, it's yeah. it, it was it was very very funny. It was, and it was just a great moment because there was so many different parts to it mm-hmm. uh, to deconstruct. And Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ryan Strump, not an inexperienced fighter. He's actually had a pretty good card over the years. Underrated. And he's won, yes. Yeah, he's won you know a, a fair amount of those fights, um, but the, it was. The thing that really I found funny was that, so he cross-checks Jake Sanderson from behind, Mm -hmm. and yeah, he knows there's going to be a reaction. Um, What I do find really funny is that the first person that kind of is in the vicinity is Shane Pinto, but he's kind of skating away, Mm -hmm. and then Kachuk comes over. So I wonder if Strom was like, okay, well, if I have to fight Shane Pinto, that's fine. But it's like, oh, no, it's pretty Kachuk. the fact that Strom took on a player, he knew, you know, even though Strom's not a small guy by any imagine, stretch of the imagination. He's 6'1". He's 6'1". Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Brady Kachuk, we know he's a hardcore individual. He's wily. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. He's maybe not the biggest dude, but that is, he's, a, he's like Jeremy Renner in the town. He's that's super strong. He's yeah. like a bulldog. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so he's got size and he's strong. Uh, and, you know, we know he's physical. Mm-hmm. So for Strom to go into that fight knowing that he was probably going to lose, you know, shout out to Ryan Strom. You know, he didn't turtle or anything. No. He went in there, he did his best. But on the other side of the equation, Brady Kachuk as captain sticking up for the rookie Jake Sanderson, yeah. you love to see it. And this is why, you know, Ottawa fans in a season that is not and what they were hoping for so far, and you know, just based on projection, probably won't be. Um, the fact that they can look at Brady Kachuk and say, okay, you know what? We're in good hands. The culture is strong mm-hmm. here. Brady Kachuk is our leader. He wears the C. He will do anything for his teammates. Yep. I think it's a great sign. And so, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, positives all around for me. Yeah, I, so Ryan Strom on hockeyfights.com. Yeah. Ryan Strom has fought nine times in his career. They don't. They don't give winner losses, uh, but well, there are votes at the bottom. Are there? Yeah. So like the Lars, he, had, he fought Lars Eller, and pretty much everybody saw 
Ryan Strom. You have to click on the fight itself. I don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Mason Marchman, he beat Mason yes, Marchman. Yes, which is not a... Mason Marchman's got that reach. Like, yeah. he's, he's, you know, so, look, that's... Uh, look, Ottawa, it's not even a great season for Ottawa. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you never, it's never good when a team wants to be good and is not, you know, like it, and uh, they, they maybe declared the rebuild over a year before they should have, mm-hmm. and this year they, they added Giroux and DeBrincat and, all, and Talbot and all these guys, and it's been a step back. Brady to Chuck's out in the media defending his coach now mm-hmm. because the, the, the crowd is chanting fire DJ right. uh, at this point. And so I think this was this was like cathartic for him. He was able to stand up, defend the team, be like, "Look, we might be we might be struggling right now, but you're not allowed to push around our guys. Exactly. This is exactly what's going to happen to you. Yes. I'm gonna I'm I'm you're gonna you're gonna sigh. catch these hands. Exactly. You know, if you're fishing, you know you're gonna catch these hands. That's right. And uh, and and it worked out great. Now Indeed. speaking of rough and tumble physicality here, mm-hmm. um, there was a big. Uh, Big controversy, and yeah. like as I said, you know, I have a I have a friend who's a Jets fan, and believe me, my phone was going absolutely ballistic after <laughs> this play. Um, stars and Jets, yeah. you know, game, uh, uh, you know, game is is I believe the Jets are winning four three. They're defending the lead. Uh, Cam, or not um, Hellebuck, Connor yeah. Hellebuck. I was gonna say Cam Talbot. Connor Hellebuck gets his mask straight up knocked off his head mm-hmm. in a in a flurry around the net at the end of the at the end of the game. He goes down. He's got his head in his hand, sort of like that. And the Stars just grab the puck, put it in that, ties the game, they go to OT. Yeah. Josh Morrissey then wins it in overtime, you know? So it's all poetic. But, right. like, what we got to look at is this, their goalie essentially got decapitated, and yet the goal was still allowed to count. What, what is happening here? Yeah, and, you know, it's tough because, I mean, that, that is the rule. And, you know, they talked about it on Hockey Night in Canada mm-hmm. where, you know, Maybe the rules should be changed because it's funny if a player loses their helmet, you have to skate right to the bench. They gotta go right to the bench. But like, what's the goalie gonna do? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and I understand. I, I guess like you know you have to think of the unintended consequences of changing the rule, and I guess you could have some nefarious goalies that like knock their own mask off, you know, if they're in trouble. And you know, related, um, you know, we've we've had several. Uh, we're gonna get into that. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna do two parts yes. there. Good. Um, I would like to see more discretion. From uh, like given to the refs to make a judgment call where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hellbuck, you know, yeah, he, he got knocked over. I mean, his own player was sort of the reason. Uh, but I, I feel like with, if it's the safety of the goaltender, then you got to do something. Because, yeah, he was lying down on the ice. Like, what if the shot had missed? Right? Yeah. What if the shot had gone wide and hit him in the head? That would have been terrible. So, even, you know, the rule probably needs to be changed. Um, and if not, then I, I feel we at least have to give the refs discretion to stop that play. Uh, but I guess it would have to be a rule change to give them that discretion. But yeah, it, it feels like something where, you know, that's the perfect example of why you need to revisit that. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's not even the goal itself, really. It's just the the fact that he could have been injured further on the play. I just find it ridiculous that uh, I, I find it ridiculous that a goalie is like in a prone position without a helmet, mm. and it, it's not one that like he didn't knock it off himself. It's due to contact from an opponent, mm. and and like he, he was he was potentially injured, mm. especially with the brain. It's one thing if like the glove falls off, you can't call play dead. You know, yeah. like that's that's the thing. But like it's a helmet. It's the it's their only sign of defense for you. Only get one brain. You know. You know, you break your brain, it's tough to heal it. You break your finger by, you know, 
trying to block a shot when you lose your blocker or whatever. Like, yeah, it's going to hurt, but it's going to grow back, you right. know, the, the bone at least. Yeah. Um, so I don't understand how like the play was allowed to continue going. Like it's it wasn't knocked off by his own player. It'd be one thing if like you know no, his player pushed the Dallas player. Yeah, into but then him. we're gonna get like into yeah. crazy semantics. Like it's one yeah. thing if like the if his own player backed up into him, knocked it off with you know his shoulder or his butt or whatever, mm-hmm. and then like okay. But it's another thing when you know, it's a scramble from the net. The the opposing team is doing everything they possibly can to get the puck in the net, and that mm-hmm. includes knocking the opposing goalie's head off. That goalie then doesn't like keep trying to play or whatever. That goalie is down, clearly yeah. in like distress, yeah. and it's allowed to not just. It, it, and it's allowed to influence the outcome of a game. Not it. It, it wasn't even. It wasn't a, a goal that didn't matter. It wasn't a goal in the second period or whatever that was like you know makes it a three nothing three one game. Yeah. It was the tying goal in the final seconds of the game. Yep. And if the Stars won that game, then we look at the ripple effect where it's like, oh, what if the what if the Jets miss the playoffs by one point? At the and end it's of a the divisional year? divisional game. rival. Like exactly. Yeah. It's it's tough. I think the NHL like like I think they 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 dodged a bullet on that one. I think they they legitimately dodged a bullet because yeah. if the Stars won that game, like if I'm if I'm a, a Kevin Shevel day off, uh-huh. I know exactly who I'm calling the next day, and it's the it's the league office, and I'm putting yeah. on my Karen pants and my Karen, <laughs> my Karen hat, and I'm writing a strongly worded letter and using words like to whom it may concern there and where do you get off? Right. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Or another thing, a big controversy, and it led yeah. some. It's funny, it led some some beat uh, beat writers to lose their, their their minds on Twitter a bit. It's Matt Murray, uh-huh. um, having a great comeback season for the Leafs. Like, yeah. holy smokes. He went down after one game, was injured for like a month, comes back. He's got a 927. He's doing great. He's already matching his win total from last year. Wow. Uh, it's just remarkable stuff. Um, but he's, he now has a pension for knocking the net off mm-hmm. by going post to post. He's been asked about it. He says, you know, I'm just trying to push off. I push off hard. I, it's funny because I'm looking for this clip, and I believe that um, – I believe that's that that Sportsman actually took it down, or Freeman took it down. But basically, on the, on on the, uh, uh, this has led to now widespread because this happened again. It happened with Spencer Knight last night. That's right. And so, um, so now, and now they're going like, okay, our goalie's just knocking the net off on purpose here mm-hmm. to get play dead. You know, uh, twice uh, that Marie did it in New Jersey, um, and another one he did it, I believe, in Minnesota, uh, twice as well. And that that sort of uh, at least two of those negated sort of scoring plays. And so. Um, Merrick was asking Friedman about this on, 30, on the 32 Thoughts uh, mm-hmm. podcast, and it was like, you know, so, so what's going on here? And he says, well, there's certain places that are known for, that are known for softer ice, or known, known for the net being easier to push off. You know, uh-huh. everyone I talk to, and he's like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, make it so, I don't want to make it so I, I'm besmirching the ice crews or anything. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. But there are, but there's some places, and he listed three of them, and two, two of them were New Jersey and Minnesota. So now we're thinking maybe it's due to, maybe it's due to that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just find it very funny um, that that people are losing their mind that Murray's doing this. One was definitely intentional. Right. When the Leafs were on the end of a, a crazy shift that went, everyone was on the ice for like two minutes, and Murray essentially just like decided to push off extremely hard on one to knock it off, and then they had to bring the drill out, and they ended up getting like a five-minute timeout basically. Right. But you were talking about how refs should have more discretion in, in Hellebuck losing his mask. Mm-hmm. Should refs have more discretion in this pushing the net off? I think so because, you know, when you look at the replays of those situations, uh, it's, it's not so much the pushing off as it's the shoulder mm-hmm. bumping it up. And I know that, you know, there's been some discussion from goalies, uh, you know, online about uh, the way the pegs are put in and, you know, are there, is there a better way of doing it? Uh, I'll leave that to the engineers. And I know they're working with a lot of different factors mm-hmm. because you get, 
you know, water that turns into ice or... That's usually how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm no scientist, but, <laughs> um, you know, water gets into the hole and then it freezes because it's surrounded by ice and then that affects things. It's like, is there a different way of doing it? So, I mean, I know it's like you're working under, you know, not ordeal, not ideal circumstances, um, but I, I think I'd like to see a little more discretion and... You know, again, it's like you need to have pretty clear-cut rules in professional sport, but I, I wonder, too, like, if a guy bumps the net off a bit and somebody scores, it's like, I'd like to see it count. You know, like, if nothing, and maybe you have to go to instant replay for this, uh, and, and maybe it becomes a replayable. But then do we need more replay? I mean, we don't. But the whole idea is to discourage the practice. Yes. So if you say that a replay you know, is available, then maybe goalies say, okay, well, you know, if I bump it with my shoulder and I get caught and we get a two-minute penalty, for example, then that's kind of worse than me just trying to make the stop. Uh, may, you know, maybe if it becomes a real big problem, it escalates where you can get a misconduct. Yeah. Who knows? Well, delay of game. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, but I'm saying on top of delay of game. Yeah. Oh, really? Like you get an interest. Like if you really wanted to, and I'm not saying the, the NHL has the appetite to do that, because really, I mean, we're talking about a couple of incidences. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that Murray and Knight, you know, happened in the span of a few, you know, sort of a, a week. Yeah, um, it, it all happened very condensed. Like Murray happened one game after another, then Knight happened last night. Yeah, exactly. Very, so, I mean, it tight. might yeah. not be this like, you know, horrible trend. It might have just been a coincidence. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, having said that, I, I would like the refs to uh, be able to kind of use their, uh, their BS detectors and be like, no, you, you knocked that off with your shoulder. That was not pushing off, and it's not because we are in New Jersey. Okay, so I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think that, like, you know, as someone who covers the Leafs, you know, I, I do believe that Murray did at least twice, at least half of those, because I think he did four total times. At least half of those were intentional. One, one was, like, irrefutably intentional. At least around, like, everyone was out for two and a half minutes, and he knocked it off to the point where they had to bring a guy with a drill out. He didn't have the right drill bit, so he had to go back, bring out the right... It was a five-minute timeout. Yeah. You know, all televised. It was hilarious. Um, so I, I, I think that's the point. But I'm not a big fan of giving refs more, like, discretion, because uh -huh. I don't trust that discretion. Gotcha. Because I think that refs, like all humans, like mm. myself, like everyone are notoriously, like, you know, they're very, I, I would say, like, they're, they're prone to bias. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just, I think the officiating this season has been pretty bad. You know, I think, like, last season it was pretty bad. This season has also been pretty bad. You know, there was a, a ref called, uh, a ref negated a penalty because there wasn't an injury on the play uh, on Saturday. Uh, and I believe it was, a, it was a game involving the Stars as well. Uh, it was just, like, I don't, I don't know if either refs have earned the right to, be trusted more to make these decisions because we've already seen refs miss a ton of calls and the situation room has to come in and be like no we're reviewing this mm -hmm. like no we have to like we have to do like on on these goals you know there was one that was negated with the Leafs tying it up in, in a game against Arizona uh -huh. where they tie it up at the end of the game and everyone goes yay and then literally the, the situation room goes in and be like no you guys like missed a clear hand pass right. we have to review this yeah. um and I don't know if handing that more responsibility to influence the outcome of a game to a referee is the best thing right now. It's my so here, opinion. So here, here's a question for you. Okay. Would you prefer to take that second ref? Because when I was a kid, we only had one ref. Exactly. Ref. Back in your day. Back in my day. Uh, the original 21, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. they were never known. Um, would you prefer to take that second referee off the ice and put him up in, say, the press box where he would, he or she for that matter, 
where that referee would be able to see the entirety of the ice from a different perspective and be able to call down or at least uh, conform, confirm or deny a call. I would love to put the ref in the press box as long as they don't have to sit next to me. Ah, I think that is uh, that is my. Can we talk so much smack about them? Oh, 100%. No, <laughs> um, I, I look. I think that I think that having two refs on the ice is a good thing, just in the sense that you know, like every inch of the the playing surface is is going to be required. If anything, I think we should take a linesman or a lines person off the ice. Mm. I don't think we need as many many there. But it, it look, it's tough. I. I I don't, I think that teams, like the game is so weirdly sort of officiated now. The teams are starting to come up with like loopholes like this, you know, like we're seeing the cracks on the foundation here. Mm. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what the, what the, uh, what the optional thing is because we have to go from like, okay, do we call like, do we use like a robot refs kind of system? But then if we're, if we want to have the, the people there, then we have to talk about then, then we have to like sort of accept human error, yeah. but then at the same time, like we already know, we have irrefutable evidence of it on camera from Tim Peel that like the league knows that there's a script that they want refs to follow mm. with games. There's a like at the end of a game, if a team is is, is trailing, they're not going to call a penalty on that team unless it's completely egregious. You know, like there's certain instances where refs put whistles away. It's not all objective. It's not calling the rule book. It's it's calling it based on the script of the game. And I don't. And I think that with these net net going, nets going off, with these helmets flying off, and everything, like those are very, those are script of the game moments. And I don't trust refs to have the the discretion to call the right thing there. If a team is trailing and someone pushes the net off, like I doubt they're going to call it on that. Whereas if it's a team, if a team is is winning and the goalie pushes the net off to defend, of course they're going to call a penalty on that because it's gonna it's gonna increase the possibility of that team tying and it being a different kind of game, a closer game. I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to it. All I know is that I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting more power in the hands of a, of a referee sort of system that already I think has too much. All right, well, here, here's one more uh, okay. counter argument or, or debate me. point. Offsides. Mm-hmm. We had the strict, and we still do have the strict offside oh, replays. We do. To me, they're horrible. They I horrible. would prefer the refs to have discretion yes. on, and lines people to have discretion on Offsides more. I, I would prefer we go back to the way it was before. No, hundred percent. Uh, I agree. Infamous Matt Duchesne goal that led to the crackdown. I would prefer that they go back to how it was, where the officials had the discretion on an offside to be like, it's fine. I, you know what? I agree. I don't think there's a black and white answer for this. I also will ask, like, was were missed offsides that much of an epidemic before the Matt Duchesne thing? Like, or was that just such an egregious thing? Yeah. That we had to. They, they had to overcorrect yeah. because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then an uh, interesting point from our producer behind the scenes who just, who just asked me, do we get rid of blue lines potentially? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge game changer because then you're changing entire systems. Now, the thing about me is I don't like change and change scares me. Mm-hmm. So that's just my opinion on that. Right. But we'll, we'll have to see. I think there needs to be somewhat of a, a rejig, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, because look, I, I think we should give more Tommy to rest on, on, or at least lines people on offsides yeah. because these reviews take forever. Yeah. Uh, they negate, like they negate interesting goals. Yeah. Usually they have, most of the time they happen like a minute before the, 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 the goal actually goes in. Right. So it's just like, it's totally pointless. Yeah. But at the same time, then like, I don't trust, you know, a crucial situation where a ref already has a leaning towards which team they're going to give a, a, a they're going to give a call to. Mm. I don't trust them then getting the ability, like getting more of an opportunity to do that, more power. It's mm. it, there's no black and white uh, situation here. There's no yeah. cut and dry. We're going to have to figure it out. Which based on their uniforms, 
Irony. You know what? There you go. And that also is a dad joke. Um, All right, Ryan, we have a mailbag question. I believe it is, uh, I don't have the user, do you you remember the username in front of you? ECB. At ECB. It is basically asking, you know, how similar are are Connor Bedard, Mm -hmm. uh, who is the, you know, the obviously the generational top prospect in this draft. Mm. He's absolutely just tearing the, the WHL a new one right now. Yeah. It is, we've never seen, like this is insane. Yeah. Um, and also Michael Misa, who has been granted exceptional status. Uh, he looks like a prod, he looks like another, you know, sort of next one kind of guy who mm-hmm. is tearing up his own league. How similar are, it was Connor Medard at, at Misa's age to Misa where he is now? Yeah, so yeah, both exceptional mm-hmm. status. Uh, Michael Misa now a rookie in the OHL yeah. with the Saginaw Spirit and playing amazing. He was great at the uh, World Under-17 Challenge as well. Tough thing in that tournament is uh, the Canadian teams, they had three of them, uh, white, black, and red. Uh, there was some, like sickness that went through mm-hmm. those rooms. I don't know if it was the flu or what it was, but um, it kind of put a damper on that tournament because a lot of the top players ended up missing time. Uh, having said that, you know, when I watched Misa out there, uh, he was incredible. And, um, you know, I, I remember watching him last year at the OHL Cup when he broke Connor McDavid's tournament scoring record. And for those unfamiliar, the OHL Cup is the big end of the year tournament uh, before the OHL draft. So you get the best teams, you know, eligible for uh, where their players are eligible for the OHL. And uh, Michael Misa, uh, playing for Mississauga, they won the championship. He ended up passing McDavid during the final um, for best all-time in terms of points. So that's sort of the bar we're working with here. Um, What I will say, I think Misa's close to Bedard, but not quite at the same level because... And and it's, it's kind of funny because... Bedard's rookie season in the WHL was a bubble pandemic season. Mm-hmm. So he only played, I think it was 24 games. Yeah. Um, and he had, uh, I think he basically had almost two points a game. Yeah, he, he during that ripped stretch. through it. Yeah. Just killed it. And he did so on a Regina Pats team that didn't have a lot of other mm-hmm. talent around him. So Riker Evans was on defense. Riker Evans would go on to be drafted by the Seattle Kraken in the second round, uh, but he had been passed over the, mm-hmm. the year prior. You look at Michael Misa right now, and uh, ironically, he's played about 20, 24 games, I think, yes. for Saginaw, uh, and he's one of their leading scorers. Uh, he's not actually their leading scorer. That's Pavel Minchikov, mm-hmm. the defenseman who was drafted in the first round by Anaheim this past summer. Um, but Misa is putting up a lot of points, more than a point per and he's game. 15, easily. like 16. And, yeah, yeah, and exactly. He's you know the youngest player in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a little more talent surrounding him in Saginaw. Like he's not alone. So you got Minchikov, you got Matthias Sapovaliv, who was drafted by Vegas. Uh, they had Josh Bloom, the Sabres prospect, uh, but he was traded recently. But mm-hmm. he played, I think, 19 games for Saginaw. So Misa came into a great situation where he didn't have to do everything himself. Uh, having said that, he has thrived with the spirit, mm-hmm. and I, I would say he's exceeded my expectations because really, yeah, because he's not like uh, he's not a huge kid, right? And again, he's 15, so he has a lot of time to grow. But um, you know, he's I think he's listed as like 5'11", 160 right now. Um, maybe that's generous. Are you saying 5'11 isn't big? Because if 5'11 is not big, then I'm gonna go home and cry. For a hockey player, okay, yeah. What about yeah. hockey analysts? Hagianz is fine. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. You, that's beautiful. You're, you're, you hear that? You're a giant. Do you hear that? Yeah. There you go. Um, 
Yeah, so Connor, but and, and it's funny because Connor Bedard not not big not, either. Not I think he's about five his. nine. Yeah. Um, but if you were looking at them at the same time, uh, I think Bedard's still ahead. Having said that, get excited for Misa because oh, yeah. he has definitely shown uh, just in this first sort of quarter of the uh, of the OHL season that he is for real, and uh, he's going to be a fun one in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, we'll have to listen. We'll have to essentially get. Those questions answered maybe on our OHL and WHL podcasts we have on this network. That's right. That's great. Go check them out. Um, yeah. All right. Final final sort of segment of the day. It's our favorite. It's Mailbag. Ryan has it this time. Gonna rapid put fire. Yep. Rapid fire. Yes. Or it's not Mailbag. It's rapid fire. Ryan's Amen. got it. Let's all right. Do, let's do this. I'm ready for whichever challenge comes my way. Good. This one, I think this, this will be a fun one. This, okay. is, this is not a tense one. This will be a fun one. Okay. Okay. So first question. Mm-hmm. What is the album that changed your life? American Native by Green Day. Nice. 100%. I grew, I was right, it, it came out right around the time where I was not old enough to al- be allowed to listen to music with swearing with, like, with my, by my parents, but I did anyway, so I felt like a rebel. Of course. I was also old enough to be angsty, mm-hmm. and it's a very angsty album. I also think that it's a phenomenal album in the sense that it tells a story, and it literally got adapted into a Broadway musical. I go. love it. Uh, it made, it, it's the reason why Green Day is my favorite band, and it changed my life. There you go. For me, it's 13 songs by Fugazi, which is technically two EPs put together. There you that's go. That's okay. That was my introduction into underground music when I was mm-hmm. in grade nine. And, and look where you just, are now. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, and, and again, like it's, it's an album where I, I almost relate it to like The Simpsons in the sense where it's like, I don't even need to watch old episodes of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like. You just know it. You just know yeah. it because you've watched it so many times. Like. I don't even really have to like listen to that album because I know it so well. I still will, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Fugazi. I mean, musically they were incredible, but also the fact that you know Ian Mackay uh, ran the the record label Discord mm-hmm. uh, that they were on, that all their shows uh, were like you know ten dollars or less, and still were even when they were selling you there know you like go. literally a million people even speculate two million albums. Independently, mm-hmm. uh, you know the shows. I actually think the original shows were like five dollars when they could, and they kept that going. You know, CDs were ten dollars, so it's like it was affordable for everybody. They're like the Arizona iced tea of bands. You know, no matter how big they get, the can is still ninety nine cents. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I Love mean, it, it introduced me to the entire world mm-hmm. of underground music that you didn't need radio to be successful, that you could do things on your own, and uh, you know have a ton of um, you know integrity. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love it. Love it. All right. Second question. Mm -hmm. Give me your hottest food take. Oh. I've, okay, I have two. Okay. Two that are, like, two that are somewhat weird. One, I think, is is a little, like, sort of less weird than the other, so I'll start with that one. It's that I, I don't think, I don't like, and I don't think cooked fruit is good. You know? Okay. Like I'm not like I love fruit. I have fruit. I have a smoothie with packed full of it every day. I yeah. love. I could just chew on an apple, eat an entire bushel of strawberries. You know, whatever. You put that in a pie though. You put it in the oven. Interesting. I don't like it. Wow. I don't like peach cobbler. Like any of that. It just it yeah. doesn't do it for me. I don't. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm getting really weird looks from our producer behind the camera. I'm gonna speak my truth. I thought this yeah. was the to, so, to quote old school. I thought this was the trust tree. Yeah, yeah. You know. So do you only go pumpkin pie, or do you? I just don't even like, no, pie I don't like, altogether. I will go. I will go pie with like custard in it. You know, okay. there's a great like you know Muskoka. pecan pie. No, or like pecan pie. Pecan, like Muskoka mudslide pie. Love that stuff. You know, like yeah. it's 
But just in terms of like cooked fruit, never be never being a fan. Okay. I love cake. I love all that. Yeah. And I will and I will have fresh fruit until until the cows come home. I uh -huh. love it. Literally, I uh, like I will never catch scurvy in my life because I right. eat so much fruit. But hmm. like it, uh, just when you when you put it when you heat it up past a certain point when it gets soggy or when it gets sort of like I guess like droopy in the yeah, way that yeah. I put it, I just don't like it. My yeah. second one though, is that. I love pickle-flavored things, okay. but I don't like pickles. Gotcha. So, like, for example, I will, like, I, when I, if I order a burger, yeah. I would, I'll order it, like, with the pickle on it because I know there will be a pickle taste in there, but I will take the pickle off ah. because I, I think it's a texture thing. Fair. Um, the, only, the only exception is on fried chicken sandwiches. Okay. Um, I think there's enough sort of, like, sort of rough texture that mm. the slimy texture is, is canceled out, and gotcha. I think it adds a good crunch. But just in terms of a straight pickle, like I see people, I love dill pickle chips. I love like all that kind of stuff. It's mm. phenomenal. I love it. I put, I make a lot of sauces with straight up pickle juice in it. Like I'll have, I'll have um, uh, uh, like a, a jar of pickles in my, in my fridge. Uh -huh. And and if I'm making like a cool, like sort of, a, I would say like chipotle aioli dip or whatever, yeah. I'll put pickle brine in there and it adds like a kick to it. It's awesome. Yeah. But... I will not, but I will not eat a straight like a straight pickle. Yeah. So you just eventually in your house you just have a jar of dry pickles because you've used all the juice for yeah. other things. Well then like for like my dad loves pickles. So oh, like, okay. he'll come over and he'll just snack on them. Gotcha. So uh, there's no there's no waste on my okay. part. But yeah, like yeah. I but I if I'm if I'm either making my own version of it or eating the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich, yeah. obviously keep the pickles on there like it's a part of this. It's a staple of it. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, but in terms of like, like I, I just can't take a pickle out of the jar and eat it. It's just not wow. my thing. All right. Yeah. So I had one, What's but yours? now, you, well, now I have two because you reminded me. Of okay. Well, there we okay. go. So I'll start off with that one. I don't believe in chicken sandwiches. Really? Yes. And I'm probably going to go to Popeye's directly after yeah, this I know. podcast. But you never get the sandwich. You never get the sandwich yeah. because I mean, the chicken is always breaded. Yes. You know, well, those say, I mean, you can get. Chicken sandwiches in another Yeah, style. but like... But a bread... The one that everybody Popeye, talks about... you're going to yeah. get the fried chicken sandwich. Like. Yeah, yeah. The chicken's already breaded. You're putting bread on bread. What do you mean the chicken's already breaded? Like fried chicken. It's breaded. Like, you know, well, flour, it's flour and it's deep fried. Yeah. So it's like you've got that and then you're putting bread on top of that. To oh, me, like, oh, you like the sandwich buns or the bread. Oh, exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. yeah. So to me, that's like redundant. Like, I don't understand. That's too much... You're putting too much dry. Like fried chicken is the perfect combination that's of why the they crisp go and the moist. That's why they go sauce. I also though. hate pickles, so that's part of it. Okay, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's just a no, a no go. My other hot one mm. is that you should not buy uh, or you should not order pasta at restaurants because it's, it's a rip one. off. That is a great one. You, yeah. Pasta is so cheap. I know how much pasta costs. Pasta is the only thing that's still cheap at the grocery store. Yes. And you can make it yourself. It is so easy. Yeah. I cannot conceive of a sauce so good that it would justify. Like rice, that's a different story. Yeah. You can easily mess up rice. I've done it many times. Not only that, but it's like you know, butter chicken yeah. or like yeah. any kind of curry. Like you put, I mean, like I will pay just for that. I need rice as the vehicle. I'm yes. fine with that. But pasta, no dice. That's actually, that's a really good point. And like, I would say the only thing I will pay for, and I've only had this a couple times, but like at Taroni in Toronto, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are Taronis elsewhere, but you know, we live in Toronto. I don't so. know if there are. I Maybe. Think it's just a it might be a Toronto chain. thing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they, they have this one where it's like spicy sausage, uh -huh. uh, like with fennel and then like, then like some black truffles on top. And I've tried okay. to recreate that myself mm. and I've gotten close. I've never gotten, uh, I've, I've never gotten completely with that. And so I will say like, that's the one thing I will pay for when it comes to pasta. Right. But you're hundred percent right. Normally it's not usually that good. 
And also, like, you can make this yourself so easily. You go to, to a restaurant and you order fettuccine Alfredo. Do you have any idea how easy that is to make? Yeah, and it's always expensive, which it's, I don't get. It's ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Like, you, it, it is, like, four ingredients. It's pasta, it's butter, it's garlic, it's, yeah. it's parm. You, you put it in there, it, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Cream, there you, there you go. All right, next question. Kind of related to pasta in a weird way. I love it. Not really, but you'll see where I go with this. Uh, would you ever go to an opera? Or have you? I have gone to an opera, actually. Okay. It was for, it was for school. My parents gave me a choice in, huh. in high school. They said, you, could, you have to take an art. Okay. Um, so you can either take band or choir. Uh-huh. I took band for the first two years, played the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was okay, but it was just really boring to me. And so I went, you know what? A, I think band's really boring. B, all, all the girls are in choir. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go to choir. Gotcha. Um, and and mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the field trips was us going to an opera. Yeah. And I fell asleep. Yeah, see, that's my worry. And I, I say this because I was watching an episode of The White Lotus where they go to the opera, mm. and they're in Sicily. So it's like the opera house is, like, incredible. And But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, if I, if I, w- if I was going to go, it would be somewhere like that where the building's very where impressive. Where it's legit, But yeah. I think it would be lost on me. I, like, I went to the Toronto Opera House, yeah. which is, you know, it's very beautiful. Like, yeah. it's a beautiful place to go. Um, you know, I think it's more like the, like, I, I, I found it a lot of fun to, like, go to the opera. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just to, like, it's a fun night out. You yeah. feel really classy. You're like, I'm going to the opera. Like, this yeah. is cool. Dress in a suit. Like, all my, you know, I was, like, 16 at the time. So yeah. all the other 16-year-olds were dressed in suits that don't fit us. And, you know, it's fun. But, like, you get in there. Operas are really long, man. Yeah. They're all three hours long. Yeah. They're all, like, an, end, an Avengers Endgame level of, of length. Yeah. And Thanos doesn't appear one time in that movie. No. And, or in that opera. And so, also, this one was completely in Italian, I believe. So they, they had subtitles, like, projected onto the stage under it. Interesting. So I had to read as well. And I uh, love subtitle movies. I keep my yeah, Netflix... Sure. I keep my Netflix subtitles on no matter what. I yeah. don't care. But, like, it just... It just wasn't it for me, yeah. but I think I think the idea of like going to the opera, I think it's more fun than the actual opera because you feel yeah. fancy, you feel classy. It's cool. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Okay. Next question, mm-hmm. and uh, this is this will be on the honor system because we don't actually have time. Okay. Okay. Uh, is there any rap song you could you could do from front oh, to back? Oh, so so many. Yeah. Most Eminem stuff, like mm-hmm. I can do the whole rap god rap, like um, obviously lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other ones, uh, like, uh, the, like forever with like Drake, um, with Drake, Eminem, I think Lil Wayne and Kanye. Mm. It, it sucks because because I, I really you know I'm not a huge fan of Kanye now, but right. a lot of Kanye stuff, whether it's Power, whether it's Runaway, whether it's um, you know like uh, even like Monster, like I can do the whole Nicki Minaj verse, which is mm. a lot of fun. Like it's a lot of it's it's great. I, I hope you never have to see it, um, but it's it's fun. Like for example, we were in in. Um, in, uh, 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 in Montreal, when we went to the draft, yes. a, we went to a karaoke bar. We did. And myself and Harmon Dial from, uh, uh, from The Athletic, we were going to do, he was going to be a Lil Nas X and I was going to be Jack Harlow for Industry Baby, but they didn't have in the catalog, oh. so we couldn't do that. But I can oh. do that. Nice. Um, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. J- uh, Jimmy Cooks by, by Drake. I think that's my number one song on, uh, on Spotify at this point, yeah. like in terms of like it'll be on my, my thing. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, look, it's... As a kid, I was a big sort of like, you know, like the, the, the rappers of my generation, the Eminem, the, the Kanye, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, like Drake, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So uh, all of that, I, I, most of that I can, I can rip through and it's like kind of seared into my brain. What about nice. you? Because I, I don't think you're a big sort of like rap guy, are you? I am, but um, mostly like Krunk and uh, Wu-Tang. I can actually do all of Children's Story by Slick Rick, which came out in like 1988. 
Uh, but I had it on cassette because they used to do these compilations called rap tracks. Yes. Yeah, so I can do all of Children's Story by Slick Rick. And the problem with Wu-Tang is that like guys like Raekwon, their flows are so difficult yes, yeah. that it's like, it's like I can remember part of it, but not all of it. But I can do a lot of Wu-Tang, but I wouldn't say like, it'd be tough to do a whole song. I can do a lot of like, also like a lot of NWA, like I, like sure. I, you know, like F the Police, yes. for example. I can also do um, uh, uh, New York State of Mind by Nas. Nice. I, I love that song. Nice. You know, Sleep is the Cousin of Death. That's true. Um, and, uh, and I do enjoy that. But yeah, I, hopefully uh, we will live in a world where you never have to see me rap. Fair. I, uh, I always, I was a big fan of Glee when it was on TV as a kid. Um, uh, and it was always a bad episode when Mr. Schuster would rap. Gotcha. And, I don't uh, know what that means. But that's and okay. I feel like that's, uh, people watching, they'll know. And I feel <laughs> like that is a, I feel like that is what I look like when I rap. So I try, I try to spare the world of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Final question. All right, let's go. Taking it to the hockey realm. Okay. If you had your own goalie mask, what would be on it? That's a phenomenal question. Well, thank you. Okay, so here's like because we gotta we can put anything on there, but I want to make what I, I love when goalie masks they like make it so it's like an animal or it's a person and like your face is in the mouth. Right, I right. really like that, and so I'm trying to think. I don't know if I would go like serious or funny because mm -hmm. maybe like if I just did like funny, it would be like you know like the common house cat, you know, like in just like in my mouth is like my face, you know, it's just <laughs> something like, like something yeah. funny, right? Yeah. Um, but with like, if I was going serious, that's difficult. Like, maybe, it also depends on what team you're playing for. Yeah. Like, but, I think I would do like a dragon. Like a really cool mm. dragon. Um, and, I'd, and I'd put a lot of like, I don't know, I'd put a lot of like cool stuff on the side. Like, I'd do like a really cool dragon where my face is in the mouth. Right. Um, and I'd make the, I don't care what team I'm playing on, I'd make the, uh, the bars of my cage like red, so it looks like fire. Oh, okay. Um, and then, like on on like the back, I think I'd put like like big chungus on it for like for fun. Like you know, it's where where uh, like Bugs Bunny's really fat. That was really, like just like just like funny stuff. You sure. Know? Um, I think that would be kind of funny. But yeah, that's actually a really good question. I've never mm. thought about that because I was never a goalie growing up, but I always Neither really that, really yeah. liked it. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would do that. I think I would either go like something really f like just like harmless like literally like a common house cat or like yeah. a guinea pig or something like that just like nice. with my face in the middle so people would be like what the yeah. what, what's this yeah. or i would go like dragon fa like face mask is like like metallic red so it's like fire mm -hmm. and then like really kind of funny things that matter a lot to me on on the sides whether it's a saying yeah. whether it's like a cartoon i'd, I'd put like a batman thing or I'd, i might do no I'd make my mask a Batman mask. Like I'd literally have like the cowl here, uh -huh. and then my face would be like where where I it would it, you would think it would be where like the eyes are. Yeah. I would make it look as close to a like a, an accurate Batman mask as possible. That's what I would do. Nice. There nice. we go. Yeah. Originally, I was gonna do the X Men uh, from the old school arcade yes. game. So like a cut like three on each side. But then I was like, ooh, I would go with uh, the '80s arcade game Dragon's Lair. The mm -hmm. one that was actually like animated by the Bluth Company, if I'm not mistaken. So I would have Dirk the Daring on one side, Princess Daphne on the other, mm -hmm. and then the dragon coming up the middle. And then, yeah, something funny on the nameplate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm surprised no one's done a Batman thing yet. I would fully do. I would do. We've seen the Joker. 
So yes, he but the Heath Ledger Joker. But yeah. that's like that's so. Yeah. That's basic. I want to do like the like a legit the like Batman. Yeah. yeah, that'd, that'd be, be, cool. good. That'd be good. All right. Well, I think that's it, right? That's it. Anyway, well, another end of another great podcast. We got news breaking right before it, which is always lovely. Maybe that will happen next week. Who knows? We will be back to bring you lovely hockey goodness. <laughs>